Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Mike Lushenka. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Joe Satriani, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, this is Eddie Trunk from That Metal Show, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 259 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best rock, hard rock, and metal talk on the net. In episode 259, we are joined by a man who needs no introduction in the world of hard rock and heavy metal, Mr. Eddie Trunk. Eddie, the host uh, for decades of a long-standing hard rock and metal radio show, syndicated, also the host of that metal show, uh, author of two books, and a host of an XM radio show as well. So it was great to get a chance to talk to him. Eddie, along with that metal show co-host Jim Florentine and Don Jameson will be at the Rex Theater on the 21st of February. And they're also doing dates across the country. So if you're not in Pittsburgh, don't worry. They'll be coming to your market soon enough. They'll be doing a show. It's uh, That Metal Show Live. Now this, just to make sure that everyone is clear, this is not a taping of That Metal Show. You will not be on TV for showing up. Uh, this is going to be a slightly different format, but still kind of the same loose uh, show you're used to. Uh, Don and Jim will both be doing stand-up sets. Eddie will be doing a set of uh, storytelling with some great stories. And I know from uh, his podcast, he's got some great stories on Ace and, and some people like that. So really uh, cool stories. And then they'll be doing the Stump the Trunk and also uh, Q&A with the uh, fans. So a chance for you to get to kind of hang with the show's hosts and, and uh, just have a great night of metal. Um, also believe that Nick Katney's uh, former guitarist of Black Label Society will be making an appearance at one of the two shows. We're not uh, 100% certain which. There's an early show and a late show. Also, there's a VIP package available for just a little bit more. You get to kind of hang with the guys from the show. So you can head over to elcoconcerts.com to get more information on getting tickets. Again, there's an early and a late show. Get tickets for either one. So without further ado, we're going to get into that interview with Mr. Eddie Trunk.
to welcome to the show a man who needs no introduction in the world of hard rock and heavy metal. We have joining us for the first time, Eddie Trunk. How are you doing, Eddie? Very good. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's awesome to get a chance to finally talk to you. Um, this show, uh, Iron City Rocks, has been going almost as long as that metal show, and it's always been kind of fun to parallel what we do with what you guys do on a much, much larger scale. Um, you guys are going to be rolling into Pittsburgh, uh, the three of you uh, host of those shows, ironically on the day that uh, Season 15 premieres to do a live show at the Rex Theater. So we wanted to talk to you about specifically that show, but also what we can expect from Season 15 of that metal show. So let's talk, uh, jump into to what you do in the live show so people you know have an idea of what exactly they're going you know, to be seeing when they come out that night. Yeah, well, John, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that it's our premiere of our first new shows on the TV side because I actually didn't even realize that until you just said it, but <laughs> that is indeed the case. Uh, our, our first new season in uh, almost a year uh, does premiere on Saturday nights on uh, VH1 Classic on the 21st of February. And anybody who is, uh, oh, well, I, I don't want to go to the live show because I don't want to miss the TV premiere, well, first of all, uh, as anybody knows that watches the TV show, they repeat it about 10,000 times, and uh, you always got your DVR. And actually, we're going to have a new start time now. TV show's going to start at 9 uh, and then repeat at 11, so it'll oh, still be cool. on the usual time at 11, but it, there's a 9 o'clock premiere as well now. So you have many opportunities to catch it. But to answer your question, um, myself, Don, and Jim started going out a few years ago and doing club shows together. Uh as many people know, they are both stand-up comics for a living. Uh, I am not a stand-up comic, but I can go out and tell some funny stories and have a good time with people. And that's exactly what we do. You know, we have very, very long layoffs between doing uh, the TV show. And it's just kind of it's kind of ironic, as you said, that we, we have a new season starting just when we're about to be in Pittsburgh. But... Uh, Really, uh, we go out, and it's very much a stand-up comedy show. Um, it is not a taping of that metal show. There are no cameras. It's not a guest-driven thing. It's very much more in line with the stand-up comedy show. Uh, okay. I come out, talk for about 15, 20 minutes, tell some funny stories, introduce everybody, uh, tell everybody what's going to happen throughout the course of the night. And then uh, Don will come out. He'll come out there for 15, 20 minutes. He'll do stand-up. A lot of it very much related to the show and to rock music. Mm -hmm. Jim will come out. He'll do stand-up for 15, 20 minutes, same deal. So that's an hour right there. And then all three of us come out together. We do some Q&A with the audience. If there is a guest that lives in the market that we're in that kind of makes sense for our crowd, uh, we'll usually bring them out for a few minutes and introduce them and say hello and talk to them for a little bit. In the case of the shows in Pittsburgh, I think Nick Catanese from – Black Label Society is going to join us for a little bit. And then uh, we end with Live Stump the Trunk, and I do bring prizes, and people line up, and Jim goes out in the crowd, and we, we do just like we do on the TV show. We we do uh, live trivia within the theater and give prizes away if they stump me. And that's how the show ends. So it's really very loose. We have a good time. It goes in a lot of different directions, but it's more or less a, a great way for us to connect with the audience and get out and do some extra stuff and thank the people who have made the show so successful and, uh, you know, just have a good time. So uh, it's just the, the only problem you have is if people come into it thinking, and we had this problem early on until people quite figured it out, mm -hmm. people come into it thinking they're coming to a taping of that metal show. That is certainly not the case. It's more of a, you know, think of it as a coming to a stand-up show. 
Yeah, is this a little le- like more fun, kind of a let your hair down thing for you guys without cameras rolling and you know the big you know production that is VH1? Uh, is it a little oh, more sure, relaxed? Oh, sure, because it can go. Yeah, sure, because it can go in any direction, and obviously there's no language restriction, and we can kind of say and do what we want. And, uh, and again, I mean, Don and Jim have made their living on stages doing this sort of stuff. I mean, they're, they're out all the time in, in comedy clubs. Mm. Um, they're out doing every weekend, whether it's with me or on their own or what have you, they're out doing stand up. Um, I am out every weekend almost hosting concerts. Um, I also do a one man version of, of a live show. Uh, where I've done that quite a bit, where I go out by myself and do an hour and a half on stage by myself. And that's a little different in the sense that when I do that, that's more of a storytelling show because, uh, again, I'm not a comic. I don't try to be a comic. I know some of the stuff that, you know, stories I have are funny, but I don't try to become a stand-up comic just because I'm with Don and Jim. So when I do my own thing, it's a little bit more of a conversation. It's a little, it's, it's way more spread out. It's a different vibe. When I do stuff with them, it moves a little bit quicker because obviously I'm working with two other people, and and it, it's just there's a great flow to it, and then we all come out together at the end. So it's a lot of fun both ways, and uh, of course when I'm out with them, it's it's fun because we're traveling and it's good to be on the road with your friends and, and that sort of thing. So um, you know I look forward to it. We've done this all over the country, all over the world. And uh, this is actually my first time, which is really crazy, my first time ever coming to Pittsburgh. Oh. And I live in New Jersey, so it's not like I'm that far away. Uh, but for whatever reason, I have never been to Pittsburgh in my life and always wanted to come, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it was interesting that you, you managed to get here in the middle of February for the first instance of Pittsburgh. Suggest uh, if, you, if you get a chance again, come back when it's a little warmer. But, well, uh, listen, I'm a I'm an East Coaster here, so yeah, I've got you're a foot of snow on the ground here, so I'm I'm oh. fully versed in what it's like. Then we'll look like sissies. We only have a couple inches at this point, so we're not we're, we didn't get clobbered as bad uh, the big storm. Yeah, so. we got we got hit pretty hard last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean the uh, the city of Pittsburgh, I know, is, is uh, a big fan of the show. I was I have to admit, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I was at a red light and I looked over and there was a guy with the That Metal Show logo tattooed on his head. It's like whoa, mm-hmm. you know that's intense, you know. When you, yeah, we've yeah. got some we've got some great fans and some people that are really passionate about the show. It's pretty remarkable what's happened with it. Um, you know, we just you know I I, I put this thing together back in 2008. Mm-hmm. I had been working for VH1 Classic as a host since 2002, and I had always pushed and wanted them to kind of let me do a show that would kind of be an extension of what I was doing on the radio, the artists and talking the way. You know, people talk and being a fan and just having fun with it and uh, being open and honest about what you like and what you don't like and getting into great dialogues and debates. And in 2008, they let us do it. And, you know, a lot of elements from it were kind of launched out of my, uh, born in some way directly or indirectly from my radio show, which, you know, for people that don't know, and, and a lot of people just know me from that, that'll show my history is radio. I've done a metal radio show since 1983 that I still do today, and I do a satellite radio show every week as well. So even coming right down to the point of Don and Jim, who were guests on my radio show back in the day, mm-hmm. that's really how a lot of this all came together. And to see what's happened with it, uh, obviously here in the U.S., but also outside of the U.S., where I've had a chance to travel recently, 
it's pretty pretty remarkable and uh you know we're we're grateful because it it can sound cliche to say this but it really is true the fans truly do keep us on the air yeah. um you know we're the, we're pretty much the only show produced by VH1 Classic for the channel originally produced and um we work on a shoestring budget. We do have a lot of limitations when it comes to marketing, when it comes to the ability to have music in the show. There's a lot of limitations that are put on us. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we're not able to do that we'd love to. But the fans uh, have just been great, and they get it, and we're kind of transparent about it. And I think that sort of um, open dialogue back and forth really plays into the fact that you know, the connection that we have with the audience. Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, you're kind of living the dream that I think every, you know, college DJ who did the, you know, Saturday Night at Midnight Metal show, which I know all over the country seemed like every, you know, college radio station or indie radio station had that one little niche metal show, you know, that, you know, we all had to stay up late for. And you guys have kind of taken that into a level. That's how I started, and that's what I'm still doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny, 32 years on, I'm still doing um, the late night metal show that started all of this when I was right out of high school. Yeah. I still do it live in, well, not live anymore, but I do it from New York City, and it's on about 20 stations now, and, uh, you know, also still do the satellite thing. So radio is still my passion. It's still, I still love doing radio. Um, and fortunately, I've been able to carve out a following through that radio show that's opened these other doors for me, which, as I said, started actually for me with this channel back in 02. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, the channel wasn't nearly as popular, so a lot of people didn't see all the things that I did back then. But clearly, you know, that metal show was way bigger than anything I did before it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and it's great. I mean, the, the era of technology that, that you and I have seen, you know, when we went from being, you know, how far can your antenna on your radio station reach to being able to reach, you know, every corner of the globe uh, is kind of mind boggling. Um, one of the questions, yeah, for I, sure. as the show has progressed, the, the television show, um, how is the pendulum kind of swung to where people are begging to come on the show now? Because obviously you're probably the biggest outlet for metal in the, in the country. Um, you know, aside from, you know, the, the XM satellite channels themselves, which reach, you know, a zillion people as well. But I mean, do you, do you have people kind of lining up wanting to be on the show at this point? Um, yes and no. Uh, the problem we have is that our show does not shoot consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like Letterman or something like that where, you know, five nights a week, every night there's going to be there, there's going to be a taping. Our schedule is super erratic and mm-hmm. we, it's one of the reasons why we started doing these, these live shows, um, just to fill the gaps. But sure. the schedule is made by VH1, and they tell us when we're, we're going to work, where we're going to work, how often we're going to do the show. And because of that, it makes it very difficult because we never know, and the art, as a result, the artists don't know when we're going to tape. Mm-hmm. And, what happens with that is that you we now have more bands than ever on the road and we have a show that requires the bands to be in the you know in the studio in front of the studio audience so it's very difficult booking this show because more bands are touring than ever more consistently all over the world and it's almost kind of like trying to find a needle in a haystack to line Mm. them up to say hey we need you in new york or la on this date at this time 
to be on the show. So there are a lot of bands, a lot more bands that want to do it than are actually able to do it because of their touring commitments and their schedule. Um, if we were on a, a consistent basis, even once a day, every day for 45 weeks or something, right. then artists would kind of route around it and they'd say, okay, well, we know on Wednesdays that show tapes, let's be around New York. So a lot of uh, booking the guests falls on me and um, I'm very active in that process. And it's a huge challenge, especially when we do the show from New York. We brought it back to New York last uh this season and the previous right. season will be from New York. And that that's very difficult because uh the the artists all live in LA. Yeah. Everybody is West Coast based. So it really is trying to pick off who's around, who's available, who's willing to come to New York, who's willing to come in for the show, who wants to do the show. There's no shortage of and I don't mean this with any disrespect to these artists, but you know, B, C level artists in terms of popularity. Certainly. I mean, those are a million of those guys want to be on. Sure. Um, but of course, the network is always looking for the biggest names. Right. Absolutely. And that's that's the thing. So we still have we've had huge names. We just announced Getty Lee will be our first our first uh, guest in the new season on the twenty first, which is obviously a huge name. But yeah. you know we've always prided ourselves on having a great variety of people, and there are still there are still people that we're hoping for, and you know that we're kind of wrestling with trying to convince to do the show too. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing is getting people that you you know who not only want to be on the show and are available, but have something pertinent to talk about. You know, you probably have no shortage of guys who would just want to come on the show to boost their catalog sales, but you need something relevant to sit down and talk about. To make it interesting, well, we're pretty much we're pretty much cool talking about anything. I mean, we've had artists come on that have something specific they want to promote, mm -hmm. and most of the managers and the agents and stuff push them to come on when it's you know it, 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 that's the other thing, and that's a great point, John, is, is that a lot of these guys they're get, they, well, we don't want to do it yet because our record doesn't come out <laughs> until June, and yeah. I'm like, well, guys, guess what? We're not shooting in June. I mean, yeah. last in 2014, we shot only. 12 episodes the entire year yeah. and we've got 12 coming up right now and I don't know if we're going to do more after those 12 so it's it's not a perfect science and there are some people that make that mistake like well I'm going to wait until the record starts or the tour starts and sync it up with that right. we book out in advance it's just not always possible to make the, the stars align like that so um, as a result, it is you know it's definitely a difficult process. It's, it's funny to hear you say that about the. We'll have something to talk about when the album comes out because that's I, I think a, a line we hear. You know, if if I got a dollar every time someone told me that, I could actually make a living doing this. But um, yeah. it's funny to hear someone tell you know on the stage you're on to tell you guys that. That's really interesting. Well, they just want the impact of pushing whatever they're pushing, and mm. I get that. They want sure. it to line up with whatever. But And, and I, I in, in in what I do in radio, which is you know, weekly and consistent, sure. uh, yeah, I can do that. But mm. when it comes to TV, it's like if the offer is there, you kind of have to, if you want to do it, you have to kind of grab it when it's presented because we don't know when. Once we right. finish up in early May on this new season, we have no idea when we're going to tape again. So right. I certainly can't tell an artist in good conscience, oh, yeah, well, we'll be back again in, in July and we'll grab you then because we just never know. Right. Now, um, how far into to the new season have you guys shot now? Obviously, you have Getty Lee and I believe John Petrucci on the first episode. But um, how Yeah, far we haven't shot anything yet. Okay. Awesome. We shoot uh, 
When, when we moved the show back to New York, we changed the way we shoot it now, and we do it weekly. So we, the episode everybody sees on Saturdays, we tape on the previous Tuesday. Okay. So our first tape date is uh, the 17th of February, and that episode will be seen on the 21st. Okay, so this is going to be really, really current. That was another question I was going to ask is how you do these when you shoot them so that by the time they air, they're still relevant. You know, that's that's great. Yeah, um, well, we when we did them in L.A., we shot all of them in a 10-day period, and you may have had a case where 8th, ninth, 10th episode was two, two and a half months old by the, peop- by the time people saw it. Sure. Um, so as a result, uh, doing them the way we're doing them now, they're much more topical. But in the end, it really doesn't matter all that much because VH1 Classic repeats the show constantly for years. So, yeah. you know, you're going to get that topical sort of vibe from the first one or two airings. Yeah. But after that, I mean, heck, if they're still show- they're showing episodes from two three years ago still so yeah people kind of figure it out by now that they just keep repeating them yeah and that works honestly i mean is a is a my cable company just actually got vh1 classic like a year ago and it was for me it was great it was like wow i get to watch all these metal evolution and the, that metal shows that i've missed all these years you know it was kind yeah of i tell people binge. all the time if you got a, if you got a dvr just Put it in there to record them all, and you'll have a ton of them before you yeah, know it. Yeah, it'll explode. So one of the questions you mentioned, uh, you, you mentioned talking to Getty Lee, and that kind of got me to just two things that I, I was kind of curious with a person with your experience. Has there been an artist that you interviewed at, that you really had low expectations for that kind of blew you out of the water as far as how well it went? And has there been anybody that you've actually you know, would say you were kind of nervous in the stomach before you talked to. Hmm. Um, somebody that I went in with low expectations. Well, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say low expectations, but the guys, you know, I'm, I'm much more rooted in the old school. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a 50 year old guy. I started in, I started this, all this stuff over 30 years ago, so I, I, my personal tastes and what I kind of gravitate towards for the most part is the more classic artists and or new artists that have that vibe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so some of the new stuff and the newer bands, uh, I don't really spend, I haven't spent a lot of time in my career talking to. Um, again, if they fit what I do, great, but... Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes I'll go into uh, interviews with, you know, newer artists that I don't know all that much about and come away pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. And I just, um, I recently had in my radio studio Andy uh, from the band Black Veil Brides. Yeah. And uh, I was, you know, wouldn't say I'm a huge fan and I know all their stuff inside out, but I said, well, let me take a chance and, you know, I know they've got... The band, that band seems to to me to have a very polarizing following. It's either people either love them or hate them. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's yeah. One way or the other with that band, and I never could quite figure that out because I don't know them all that well, and I was kind of curious to figure that all out. So I had him in, not having any idea of what he was about, never having spoken to him before, and that's extremely rare for me because having done this for so long, I rarely interview anybody that I've never met or talked to before. Right. And uh, in the case of Andy, he was a really good guy. He had a very interesting story. He was very open. He was very well-spoken. And he was, um, you know, very transparent about what was going on in his band and 
why things were like that. And a guy who clearly paid his dues and put his time in and moved and lived in his car and did all those sort of things. So um, I found him, you know, to be a really interesting guy, and I, I really enjoyed the conversation with him. And that certainly exceeded a recent one that would have certainly exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Um. So that would be that would certainly be on on the other end. But uh, as far as you, you know, going back to your other question, I, I interview these guys and have so many times in my career. So a lot of these guys have become kind of friends over the years. Right. Yeah. So it's a very comfortable situation for me. I mean, it, it, it's very, it's very, it'd be very hard pressed to find an artist on TV or radio that I'm sitting next to that I don't know, um, that I haven't interviewed probably at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. It gives me a great advantage because it gives me a comfort level that I can walk into that interview with knowing. And I know what I can and can't get away with. I know what they kind of, you know, what pushes their buttons and what doesn't. So having that experience and having that comfort zone with the uh, with the artist is a big plus for me. And I rarely get into any sort of awkward or uncomfortable situations. It sure. Usually, you know, and I, and I always feel very confident about it, and I really don't have any issues. The only guys for me that I get kind of really um, – I wouldn't say sort of nervous or starstruck about, but the guys that really give me a second say, wow, this is like really crazy is the seventies guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because I grew up the the guys, I always say this, the guys I grew up with the posters on my wall as a kid, yeah. the, the guys in the eighties, that's the era I worked in the music business. That's kind of the era I came up with them uh, mm-hmm. during. So a lot of those guys, we kind of grew, almost grew up together in the business so it's a different thing. Even though I'm still a fan of theirs, it's kind of like they're they're more like, yeah, you know, I've known them since they didn't right. have a record deal. It's a different thing. But when I'm sitting there and I'm with Joe Perry or I'm with Tony Iommi or, you know, that's I'm with Brian Johnson. I mean, that's the stuff that's kind of like, Surreal. wow, this is this is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that, I can I can completely agree with you. There have been people on the other end of my microphone where it's just kind of like. Holy crap, you know, and it is, it's the guys when I was seven or eight that I was, you know, those kind of bands, the Kiss and, and, and Black Sabbath and things like that. That's when you start to get this sort of like, holy smokes, you know. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, because it takes you back to being that kid. And and that's, I think, one of the great things about about doing this is there's mm-hmm. the, the fans is still deep down inside you. Although, you know, you have to find a way to... Suppress that. Be professional. Do the right thing. You know, I, I, pe- people ask me all the time. I mean, about that end of it, and it's like, listen, even if you are a huge fan, it's really important not to geek out if you want to be able to maintain some sort of relationship and in uh, some way with these artists. Because if you fall all over yourself and you, you make a big thing out of it, I think that a lot of them kind of recoil at that. Yeah. Um, and I've had a, I've had a, been fortunate enough to become you know, have a great trust and have a great friendship with some huge names that I still right. have to this day. And uh, I think a lot of it does come from the fact that you just kind of, they they reach a certain point where they know, okay, you know, this guy can hang, you know, he right. trust you to do it to a degree. And I think that's really important. I think that if you, if you, um, however big of a fan are, as you are, if you kind of show that outwardly too much, it can it can certainly alienate them from you. Sure, certainly. Well, Eddie, I want to thank you. It's it's been a pleasure talking with you again. You guys are coming in on the twenty first of February to do two shows that night, I believe, at the Rex 
theater in Yeah, Pittsburgh. there's an early and a late. It's the first time we've ever done two shows in one night doing this, but um, uh, that's what the promoter there wanted to do, and he felt there was enough demand for it. So, uh, yeah, we're excited. We're flying in the day of. Um, we're, we're doing a one in Jersey the, um, on the Friday night, so we'll be okay. pretty warmed up. And then uh, Saturday we get in in the afternoon, and I I know there's an early and a late uh, show. And I think there's uh, tickets. Uh, tickets are definitely left, I believe, for both shows, and um, one of them had – a lot had more tickets left than the other, so I'm not sure one was closer to selling out than the other. But yeah, we'll uh, see. yeah, we'll get Rex Theater and there's VIP tickets and all that, and uh, for meet and greets and and like I said, I'm excited to come to Pittsburgh for the first time. I've never been there, and it's going to be less than 24 hour visit, but uh, I'll, I'll look forward to seeing what I can see. Yeah, I say come hungry. Great place to eat down in that area where you're at. So we look forward. So, you know, to... I always see those uh, commercials when the Steelers play and stuff for those uh, sandwiches with the French fries on yep. them. Yeah, I forget what they call them, but Permanent I'm dying. Brothers. Yeah, we'll get you. Yeah, I'm dying to try one of those. So hopefully, I can get at least one of those in. Yeah, there's one within walking distance from where you're at, so you'll be in good shape. Beautiful. All right, all right, Daddy. Well, I want to thank you for coming in on the show, and we'll talk with you soon, man. Thanks for the time, John. I appreciate it. Valentino got a bookie shop. And what he takes, he gives for what he's got. And what he's got, he says he has not. From anyone, it's not that he don't tell the truth, or even that he misspells you. It's just he holds the proof, but you know something's wrong. Waiting for an alibi. Once again, a giant thank you to Mr. Eddie Trunk for coming on the show. Be sure to check out eddietrunk.com. We've got information on his radio show, his books, XM show, merchandise, the uh, That Metal show. Also, if you're not able to come out to the show on February 21st because you're not in Pittsburgh or hard to believe you might have something better to do, um, That Metal show premieres that night, Getty Lee of Rush, and uh, one of my favorite guitarists, John Petrucci, will be on the show as well. So, there's no reason not to be watching Eddie Trunk that night. So get the, get your DVR set if you're coming down to the show or enjoy the show at home. And uh, also check out eddietrunk.com. Also, I invite you to check out ironcityrocks.com, facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks or ironcityrocks on Twitter uh, to find out more information about what we have going on. We've had a lot of uh, great guests. Our previous episode had Dave Mason of Traffic, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, got some great uh, stuff coming up in the future as well so check that out we have 258 episodes prior to this so if you hear what you, something you like we invite you to please go back and check us out we are on itunes uh you can get us on uh spreaker a uh, million other ways to get the show so check that out. you can even stream it live from our website or our mobile website i uh, also invite you to contact us at ironcityrocks at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear any feedback uh, that you might have and uh, let us know what you like about the show. Let us know what you don't like about the show. Uh, we always love to hear from fans. I'd like to take a moment and express our condolences to the family, bandmates, and friends of Mr. Keith Quetter, 
uh, drummer of Skell and a band called The Dimwits. Uh, he passed away uh, last week, uh, so our heartfelt sympathy out to his family and, and his friends and his, and his bandmates. Um, you know, Pittsburgh is a pretty uh, tight-knit rock and metal community, so I think uh, there's many people in Pittsburgh, if you've been to a show, probably seen Keith on drums at some point. Uh, and if you're in a band, I'm sure you've played a show with Keith. So uh, tragic to, to see a young man uh, pass on so early. So our, our sympathies to his family. Until next time, we thank you for listening to Iron City Rocks. <laughs>